Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg again, Cinematics. Here is my latest batch of interviews this week. By the way, midweek around Wednesday, actually, I'll be with Anderson live and we're going to be doing a new episode of Cinematics. We're going to be previewing the rest of this month of October of movies that are coming up. I might have actually seen by Wednesday, hopefully, a couple of movies that are coming out on Friday and I'll tell you guys if they're worth watching at all. Okay. Now, speaking of things that are worth watching, especially if you love family movies or the Cinderella story retold in different manner, in a different manner. Obviously, this one is called Three Wishes for Cinderella. And here's an interesting thing. It's set in Norway in the Arctic area. Beautiful. It's beautiful looking. Okay. So I know nothing about that landscape. And I was, I actually asked the director. The director is, I believe, I pronounce in Cecily A. Mosley, the filmmaker. I asked her if some of the landscape shots were actually CGI. It's so beautiful to look at the mountains and all of that snow and it's a, and just a, this open expanse of it. Nope, it's actually real. And this version of Cinderella, it stars Astrid S. If you don't know, you might know actually if you're really into pop music. She's a Scandinavian pop star. And I'm looking right here on Spotify. Her last single, her most recent single, which was released think around the summer is come first and that has 2.1 million downloads or listens on spotify which is pretty good and hurt so good is her most popular one and that has 410 million i believe 410 million listens on spotify i'm a spotify fiend i love i love my spotify i also have apple music but this is my my music stream of choice now as for three wishes of for cinderella astrid as she plays cinderella and I interview interview her. I interview Ellen Dort Peterson, and she plays the stepmom of Cinderella. I get them both for this interview. It's about a ten minute interview for them, and then I also, after that, you'll you'll get to listen to the interview I have with with Cecily A. Mosley now or Mosley. I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm very bad at pronounce, pronouncing names, but really enjoy this movie as a family film, as a Cinderella story. I love the way. The direction they took Cinderella, and I liked Astrid S. Even though she is a singer musician at heart, she's actually a pretty good actress as well in this. She's very enjoyable. The movie is light fluff entertainment with some beautiful landscape shots and really well well told story with a comedic flair. So yeah, I I liked it. And okay, so Three Wishes for Cinderella. The reason why I'm releasing it right now on a Monday is because it hits digital Blu-ray. DVD, I think Blu-ray combo pack, digital and on demand via Shout Studio slash Shout Factory on Tuesday, October 18th. So that is three wishes for Cinderella. If you want, if you're a physical media person, you can get it there. If you want to get it on Amazon or whatever digital on demand, you can get that, that as well. Would love to hear what you think of this movie. If you're going to give this movie a shot. Anyways, enjoy this interview. I will be, you're going to hear Hopefully not more of my voice this week. You're going to hear a lot of Anderson, like hopefully midweek. So I'm going to make sure I shut up on the next next Cinematics episode and let Anderson do all the freaking talking. Again, Three Wishes for Cinderella. Interview first is with Astrid S. and Ellen Dord Peterson. And secondly and lastly is my interview with director Cecily A. Mosley. Thanks again, guys, for supporting me and Anderson and our buddies Bruce and... And Eric Holmes on this, I didn't even say Bruce's last name, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes on this here's Cinematics. Take care, guys, and hit us up. Tell us, give us some recommendations for movies that you've seen recently as well. All right, take care. Bye. Morning, everyone. I'm Greg Srusvasti with Deepest Dream. Pleasure to meet you both. 
Likewise. You know, first off, I'm wondering if as collaborators, did you learn from each other first? Like, for example, Ellen, did, were you a fan of Astrid's music beforehand? Or maybe you actually dive deep into your music during the production to really appreciate her artistry. And on the flip side, Astrid with, you know, I'm sure you're a huge fan of The Innocence, but uh, as well as Ellen's work, did you learn from her as an actor as well during the production? So a little bit of both. I'll start. I discovered Astrid. Uh, I saw Astrid first time when she was, I think, correct me, were you 17 the first time you went into this music competition on TV, Astrid? 16. 16. So that's when I saw her first. And I just noticed her and I was like, she is so special and so interesting. And I loved the way she sang and the way she interpreted music. And then when I was told, like, I came in late to the production, I came to the hotel, we we're going to shoot, have some rehearsing, and they said that Astrid is Cinderella. I thought it's such a genius cast. She's perfect. And I met her, I was starstruck, and she really, she is this uh, Norwegian modern Cinderella. She's so genuine, wonderful, um, giggling, hardworking. I mean, I thought actors had good work morals, but pop stars are even better. Uh-huh. And she wants to do everything herself. She want to ride the horse. She want to be out there in the snow. She's just so, yeah, really genuine and a warm and heartfelt person. Yeah, and Astrid, for you, what did you learn as, a, as an actor just with that collaboration? Well, I think uh, Ellen was probably one of the most... Um, what is it called, uh, who had the most uh, experience from who I worked with. Uh, and I've seen a lot of her work before. So I was also very, very excited and a bit starstruck. And she was casted very late, like you said, Ellen. But uh, yeah, it was just amazing to see how she she works on set. And uh, and um, I loved like watching the scenes you guys did when I wasn't in them. I would sit with the director and just like watch how you would do it um and also I really enjoyed how we were able to like have conversations about your experience in the film industry and what it's been like for you and kind of how that translates into being a woman in music and um share those experiences so that's uh yeah that was great yeah so this movie is coming out I believe October 18th and I can't wait to get the blu-ray because the movie is so visually beautiful and just watching it can both of you speak to the level of how much of it was special effects and how much of it was really on location because i just couldn't i was basking in just the beautiful images throughout the narrative so everything that's shot outdoors in nature is is real norwegian nature uh and uh, even me coming from norway when we were on set i was like it, it's so beautiful. It looks unreal. It's you, you never get used to the nature in Norway, even, even if I've grown up here. So we're, we're really proud of, of the movie being shot in Norway. And, and of course, some scenes, uh, we don't have that big of castles in Norway. So we had to shoot those outside of Norway. But um, n- there's not much uh, special effects other than, you know, the animals and the northern lights and stuff. But uh, the nature is real. And Ellen, for your character, how did you really go for it? Because one can actually make this character very evil or maybe even campy and enjoyable. Or did you calibrate it and make it balanced? Because this seems to be like a very chewy role and very interesting role to, to tackle. How did you approach it? Yes. Um, 
It's something about when you read characters like this, they are so cool. It's like, how can we find something underneath there? And I found, uh, of course, the backstory of being, you know, suffering from loss and not handling it very well, projecting her ambitions on her daughters and using all cruel means to achieve what she wants. And uh, and also kind of um, almost discovering, as I was thinking more and more about people who are like this and who act like this, that they have this this side to them where they actually enjoy it. So that was trying to add that and use it as a little spice in the character that she she enjoys being cruel. That's horrible, but she does. <laughs> Alan was mentioning as your, your whole involvement with horses and actually riding horses. I can barely walk. What's the key to actually successfully ri- ride a horse out in the country? Was, was that a natural experience for you or was it actually a learning process during production as well? That was a long learning process and maybe the thing that we spent the most time preparing for, me and the prince especially, um, who's played by Genghis. So um, we were really scared of horses, but the key to riding a horse is not showing them that you're scared, making them feel comfortable um, and uh, just practice. And and you will, I fell off the horse a couple of times, which is uh, very normal. But um, you just have to get back up there, which I've now realized that's where the saying is from. Get back up on the horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, there are a couple of things I'll never do in my life. Uh, one thing is I'll, I'll never uh, be on top of a crowd surfing situation in front of thousands of people. What is that like to actually a do that and also to write songs that are so vulnerable, vulnerable and sharing your own emotions to millions of people. What, where does that courage come from? Because that seems to be such a very hard thing to do for a person who has no idea how to songwrite or even just perform in front of all those, all those people. I think, um, I think for me, um, I feel like being just me in the world there's so many versions of me and you always try to fit in or adapt to people or whatever rooms you're in. And for me being on stage or being in the studio is where I feel the most myself um, and the most comfortable. So um, even though it's terrifying, uh, it's, it's something I really enjoy about it too. It's something, yeah, the fact that it's even after eight years of doing it, it still gives me, the same amount of nerves and adrenaline. Um, and I think I just really enjoy that feeling. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Yeah. You know, speaking of that adrenaline, Alan, what was it like just, I think a year ago with the release of the innocence, I, I thought that was just a brilliant film. And what was that production like for you in general, just to see also, just the the performances, the way the story, and and just to see your daughter shine as well it must have been a great experience for you as well. And then to to parlay that with this really wonderful film must have been a great year, year and a half for you. Yeah, shooting the Innocence was also a great experience, uh, and also the the journey that that movie has had uh, afterwards has been so enjoyable, especially for the children. Uh, it's been a fairy tale in itself. It's a it's of course when you watch that movie, it's so horrible, but. The children, they had the summer of their life, you know, it will be such a big part of their of their childhood. And uh, for me to be a part, to, to share that experience with my daughter is uh, is a true gift. Yeah. You know, Astrid, 
I really love this portrayal of Cinderella. It's a very modern take and it's a very, I think most important, it's a human take. We as individuals can actually make our own decisions and lead our own lives. Can you speak to that element of how this Cinderella is rendered in this film? Yes, I think, I think for me, um, what stands out about the three wishes for Cinderella stories, like you said, she's really um, in, um, she's really in control of her own happiness and destiny. And she makes choices and actively to, to make the life that she wants um, and to find true love. And she stands up for herself and she's just very active if that makes sense, throughout the movie. And then, of course, the magic is helping her. But um, it's really her that that um, sticks up for herself and, and uh, goes, for, goes for it. And final question before I go, can each of you, right off the top of your head, name one of your all-time favorite movies? And what is it about this specific movie that resonates with you today? One of my favorite... I think Forrest Gump was the first one that popped into my head. What was it about Forrest Gump for you? Oh, I haven't I haven't watched it in so many years, but I just remember that feeling so well. The feeling uh, that movie gave me. It really just it just had so much humor and um, lightness, and I just love the the character that Tom Hanks plays. You, Ellen. I, I am only coming up with war movies. Uh, it's like the Untergang, and and uh, I, I don't know how to say this in American, but Apocalypse Now. I don't know how to. Say yes, it. exactly. Yeah, yes. Like only war movies and and Schindler's List. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's the time that we live in. Yes. Yeah. Thank you both for your time. Really love the film. Thank you so much. I'm Greg Trzwasty with Deepest Dream. Pleasure to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Go, uh, first off. How do I pronounce your first name? Just so when I do the intro. Cecilia. Cecilia. Thank you. Okay. So regarding the camera and directing, was this a dream that was with you when you were a child or did your acting journey eventually lead you to evolve to become a filmmaker? Uh, I guess growing up, I had this very huge need of telling stories, but but, uh, I grew up on the countryside very far up in north of Norway. And the only way I could see being stories being told was by acting. I didn't know any female directors or that I could be that. So that's something I discovered during acting, that I, I want to tell the stories myself too, not only to tell other people's stories as an actress. So it grew grew into me yeah yeah and that's just curious what did you love about the process when you were learning as an actress because a lot of people a lot of actors will say well i don't want to, to direct because when you're when you're with the movie maybe you're spending a year or two and especially in post with it but what attracted you to the actual craft itself from your from your observations i suppose mm, of course to to decide what stories to tell and how to emphasize them i had a, a need to to be in charge of uh how the story was told and not being a, a puzzle in it. Not that I think, uh, I think actors are really important and I love them and I am very proud of uh, being an actress, but I, I had a need for um, being more in charge of the whole storytelling, I guess. And I, and it happened very slowly and um, it just kind of happened by doing and I just started taking more and more responsibility and people saw me taking responsibility and gave me uh, options so it was a very like smooth 
transferring into getting more and more um, questions about doing it. I did a lot of theatre and radio theatre before film too as a director. And I really loved being in charge of people and, and helping people out doing their best. Uh, that's a part I love a lot about the work, to be the team leader and and make people come out with all their creativity. That's been important to me. You mentioned growing up in the country. I love how this movie really has it has a very wide visual expanse. Can you just talk about your visual approach to this movie? Because I even asked them were there were there locations that were were CGI. I was so ignorant because you made it look so beautiful. Uh, can you just talk about that visual approach, which I thought was fascinating? Yes, of course we have CGI, but every nature thing you see is for real. Um, I guess that comes from me growing up in the Arctic. I, as, as I said, I grew up in the very north of Norway, in the wilderness there, and uh, with the northern lights and with the long winters and stars and and, and being in very, uh, in very in touch with the nature. So when I understood I couldn't just make a remake and copycat what they did in Czechoslovakia or in the States, I had to have my grip on it. And I felt so strong that that character was so close to my childhood <laughs> and my way of fighting to be yourself and and to take live close to the nature and breathe with the nature so i really wanted to bring that into the movie uh, so that's where we started um developing putting the whole um setting into uh, the win- winter norway yes yeah what's another inspiration for you was to create a cinderella that is not uh, it, it doesn't hinge on a physical beauty or having someone else complete her life. I, I really love this iteration. Can you speak to that? And it'll be, I'm sure another level is just to watch children grow up to learn about this Cinderella and to re- apply that to their own lives, maybe. Are these some of the reasons why for this movie? Yeah, th- this is one of the most important things. I wanted to make a new version of a remake of this film because it was very brave and modern to be made in 73, but it was outdated now. But it gave me a lot of courage as a child to see a female character on screen like that because it was very few of them. But I realized I want to give my kids, I have girls myself and uh, and kids all over the courage to... Um, I think a lot of pop culture has made uh, women believe or girls believe that the biggest happiness you can get in life is to get picked up by a prince. So you have to (laughs) be as attractive as you can. And that's definitely not the lesson I want to learn my children. I want them to learn to be brave and to be kind and to have power and to choose love when they find love, not to be saved by the love. And in this film, even Cinderella is saving the prince, not the opposite. Uh, so so you should raise your children to be savers, not to want to be saved. Uh, that's um, a big thing for me in with this film. And I think too many stories have been told about you sit and wait and be pretty and wait for the prince. And I really don't encourage that uh, upraising of human beings. And I don't want to make boys think that they should uh, live life like that either. It's, it's important. Exactly. And you know what? What's the key for a filmmaker? You have so many different visual setups uh, in your production. It's just not hinges on one location, one elaborate location. Is scheduling a very big part of what, what you you know to become a successful successful filmmaker? Or what is the key to actually streamlining everything with so many elements in play in your production? You have to 
To me, uh, time, of course, uh, is very important because we didn't have a lot of time and we had so much bad weather and changes in weather. So to be um, like you have uh, are, are careful with money, I have need to be careful with time more than anything and to be aware um, in the planning which scenes are really important. For me, it's more important that you have an emotional scene that than that the action scenes are good. Because <laughs> so I always level the scenes about A, B, C, A is really important. And those are most emotional scenes. Of course, also action because to schedule that this takes time. B scenes are okay and C scenes are not important. So if you're not 100% happy, with the shot in the season and you can move on because I've kind of put put um, levels on the importance of the films so that you can be greedy and have a lot of the good stuff instead of using time on the bad stuff and it's very ABC but it's it's very important way of thinking resources is time you know I've also I've always been fascinated with directors who maybe in post in the edit room, they really spend months and months on the edit. Are you able to let things go or do you get really obsessed with, with the final cut and with, with the editor? And, and you, know, you know, what's a cliche that people say projects are not finished, sometimes they're abandoned. Is it ever a challenge for you to just to, to stop and say, this is my finished cut? So, oh yeah, that's that's so difficult every time. But it's also different every time because I think I've never been as picky in the editing room as this time. <laughs> but the producers were so kind also and gave us more time because it we we were satisfied. But we knew that if we just had a little bit more time, we could bring it even on a higher level. And we got it from the producers, so we are really happy about that because. You get blind on your uh, things when you've been sitting in the room with it for months. You you don't see it for real. So we had a week or two off and came back, and then suddenly we could um, put it to a high level. We in our in our beliefs. So uh, I think Cinderella. We we turned every stone. We we were looking at everything, even, um, how you were seeing the costumes, uh, the quality of everything. So to have some extra time in the editing was also very important to to it we didn't want to be i think a lot of children or family movies are unambitious not unambitious but it's good enough but the producers let us be crazy ambitious uh with the resources we had to make this as good as possible and we never discussed it is this good enough for the children it was the movie the feature film we wanted to be as good as possible you know, I'm being very detailed. Was the casting of Astrid was that a very natural and easy choice for you, or did you leave every stone unturned and and look for other leads, or was this just an immediate decision that you made right off the top? No, we were we knew that she had to be really young, and it's not very much educated actors at uh, early twenties in Norway. Uh, so we were searching everywhere what we could find of them, and we uh, famous and not famous actresses. And it was by a lucky accident that I, because I didn't think about her because she's a pop star and she's not an actress, but I was um, tired of working and said, telling my husband, I'm not going to work tonight. I'm just laying here on the coach sapping and I was sapping on the television. And then it was this program where um, uh, she was a guest and she was about to do a lot of tasks. It's a funny program about pop stars in Norway. 
So she was doing it. She had to dress as a man and being a, a guy in a studio with another dialect. And I was like in slow-mo rising from the coach shouting to my husband. I think I found her <laughs> because she was so playful and charming. And you could see her face was changing with every feeling she had. And then we had a workshop for a couple of weeks where I tested her skills and taught her to act and to see if it, if I was right. Uh, did, uh, does she have the the skills that she needs to be able to really act and not just perform. And I was just blinded by her. She was fantastic. So I begged her to take the, or I offered her the part uh, as women in Norway were sending me the part. And then she didn't know if she had time because she was a busy pop star. <laughs> so I had to wait for weeks for her reply and I was nearly dying. And then finally, and then she was so devoted that, um, yeah, it was a, a lucky relationship, I have to say. I can't imagine as a director, you have time, you, you mentioned time is really sometimes not on your side and you're, you're waiting for weeks and you, that you get, you're, you're getting so many yeah. people who want this role. I, I just can't imagine the willpower. Oh, yeah. I mean, when, one of my producers, when I, when the agency called me and said she was going to say yes, we were just, we were, <laughs> we were shouting so loud on the phone because I called it. Yeah. It was, yeah. I just knew I, she was my Cinderella. And I've told her a million times that the producers were quite happy because she had such a huge uh, Instagram uh, account and all those things. But for me, if she wasn't famous at all and didn't have one Instagram follower, she would be my Cinderella because she is the one I wanted for this part. Yeah, um, she's great in it, by the way. Uh, well, final question is, right off the top of your head, can you name one of your all-time favorite films? And what is it about this specific film that still resonates with you today? Actually, <laughs> it's a very, I don't know if people in the States have seen it, but Ronya the Robber Daughter by Astrid Lindgren was my all-time favorite movie as a child um, and as a grown-up, which has some el same elements as we have in Cinderella. It's going to be remade uh, this year, and I'm so sad I'm not doing it. But um, it has a lot of these qualities uh, and uh, in the other end, Seven is one of my favorite movies, which is on the other, other spectrum of, <laughs> of uh, films. But I'm and because of the technical aspects regarding Seven and Fincher, how he's known as being probably the mostly proficient yes. filmmaker. Just you yes, can, I. Okay. But I, I am like with music. I have, I don't have one genre. I, 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 I like so many different parts of films. I have uh, so many. Like right now, my favorite movie is um, um, The Lost Daughter by Maggie Gyllenhaal's uh, debut. Uh, so, and a film called Kapernaum, a Lebanese film that was nominated to Oscar. It's one of the best I've seen the latest year, which is also a child or a young person growing up, a growing up story. So, yes, I'm I'm all over the place and... Yes, Magnolia is one of my favorites, but I haven't dared to see it uh, lately to see if it's yeah. still there. Mingella's first feature film, which is uh, Truly Madly Deeply, which it was before he was yeah. famous. Fantastic. I need to see that. I think yeah. Stevenson's in it. I need to see that movie, but thank you so much for your time. I really loved your film. Thank you so much.